1: Is Lloyd, Lloyd, to Lloyd,
0: Lloyd, Lloyd, Lloyd. Kane, how many uh, tweets about Isaac Smith are you going to have to delete <laughs> of, uh, of your uh, Geelong Hawthorne hatred of him? You know, kicking goals after <laughs> sirens. How many? How much are you going to have to get in there and really dig into the archives?
1: No, well, I've actually always loved Isaac Smith, because he kicked a point after the siren, which sent us through to a prelim. Obviously, oh, that's right. yes. Uh, the Cats ended up losing anyway. Uh, so undercover awesome. agent. Yeah, exactly. So this has been a move that has been uh, in the making for many, many years. But i, I got to tell you, it is a little bit strange, because Isaac Smith obviously went to Hawthorne in 2011, so he, he missed the start of the rivalry, but really... Uh, from after the 08 grand final obviously Hawthorne won that but then the rivalry really heated up after that game when the Cats won all those games in a row and Smith was a huge part of that uh, a trade like this or a free agency move like this we just haven't really seen it between these two clubs at all yeah you have to go back to the old uh, Gavin Exel days of, uh, <laughs> of
0: players movements when Geelong and Hawthorne um but I don't look, a lot of people complain. oh my god how dare you go to that club I, I think Obvious, oh, i don't think this is a, a, an outrageous statement i feel like fans get way more invested in that sort of stuff than the players do mm. i think considering the way that you know, players come through junior footy they know these guys they've played with them they go they go uh you know on holidays with them they you know they know each other's family from when they're 13 14 years of age rather than this you know they you obviously want to beat them when they're out there playing but I think that idea of we could never go to join a team that was our rival is something that's a fan-based thing rather than a player-based thing.
1: I can't remember who I was listening to. It was on the radio. It was during the the lockdown or I guess the season hiatus there a while ago. And it was before the showdown. And it was an Adelaide player. And this is probably a pretty bad story because I can't remember who it was. But all I remember from this interview was that They were talking about the old days where Port Adelaide and Adelaide got in that brawl uh, at the pub going back (laughs) a decade ago, however long ago it was. And they asked, uh, it might have been Tex Walker or someone, and they asked, do you guys still hate each other to that extent? And he said, not really. He said, we play against each other and when we're on the field, yeah, it'll be brutal and we'll go at each other. But at the same time, he's like, yeah, if I see them out, I would have a beer with those guys or a coffee or whatever it may be. And it was just (laughs) interesting to hear that times have changed. These players don't walk down the street and want to belt each other. So I think there's something in that. I I think the other thing that's really interesting with Hawthorne, and I'm just looking at a tweet now that uh, just came out from Daniel Cherney over at The Age, and he said, it's remarkable how many Hawthorne premiership players from the Clarkson era have finished their careers elsewhere. Uh, Luke Hodge, Sam Mitchell, Buddy Franklin, Jordan Lewis, Grant Burchell, uh, Brad Hill, Sucklin, DeRay, Gillam, Young, Williams, and the list goes on and on. There's others there. I think the starting group for that in particular is interesting with Hodge, Mitchell, Birchall, and Lewis because we saw a little bit of this with the Cats with guys like uh, James Kelly, Matthew Stokes, uh, Paul Chapman, uh, for, uh, for example, a few of those guys that finished off. But Hawthorne certainly over the last few years have been willing to move on these guys Uh, in really for for nothing essentially they've done this so these superstars of Hawthorne have finished their careers elsewhere and I do wonder for Isaac Smith whether he sat back and said well I mean Hawthorne could offer me three years it's fine but they're probably not going to play finals and I don't really feel that bad about going to play for another club anymore because I've seen literally the greats of the Hawthorne football club do the same thing so why should I feel bad about this
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, Hawthorne offered him a two-year deal. Melbourne offered him a three-year deal, all at the same money. Mm And he's like, well, I want to go play at Geelong and I want to be in this team um, that's just come off the grand final. And that's absolutely his uh, his right to do that. And I don't think anyone should have any problem with that. Um, There is some... uh some interest, though, that, that I've seen with this move, and there is there is actually a signing that just has happened, which we'll talk about in a second. I don't know. I'll give you some time to look it up. Rory, Rory Atkins has signed with Gold Coast coming from Adelaide, so that's that's official. That's gone through. So that's a, that's a quick start to a free agency period. But... Um, with the Isaac
1: AFL Trade Radio, this is going to be a ten-hour podcast. We're going to roll the whole way through the day and, and all the breaking news.
0: I, I need to get um, yeah. Comp- we need We need segments like we've been having on Trade Radio. Matthew Lloyd's top four captains who should give up their captaincy, which literally is something that happened the other day. <laughs> um, but with the Isaac Smith situation, him now going to Geelong, this this is again. The system is horrendous, but now Hawthorne will delay their move to get Kyle Hardigan in, and they might look to trade for him because if they get him in as a free agent, it impacts their compensation that they get from having Isaac Smith leave. So they might give a sixth-round pick to Adelaide to get Hardigan instead of coming him coming in as a free agent so they don't impact their compensation pick. Just uh, I, the system is as screwed as possible. Well done to the teams to making, you're making the most of this sort of thing and you're doing this stuff. But it's ridiculous. Hardigan's a free agent. He wants to come to Hawthorne. Oh, we've got to wait because we've got to trade you because if we trade you for a sixth round pick, that means that our compensation coming back in the Smith deal ends up being higher. It is just complete manipulation. Having a system that is that easily manipulated and makes literally no sense. It just, I think really every move that happens, we're going to see this. Sort of stuff rear its um, rear its ugly head in terms of these compensation deals, but that is looking like like what's going to happen now with Smith heading to Geelong. that uh, Kyle Hardigan's move will be uh, delayed.
1: Isaac Smith, much left in the tank? Do you believe? I know this year uh, he missed a few games. I, I think probably the positive if you're looking at Smith is the fact that it was uh, it was a shoulder injury. It wasn't his legs. It wasn't necessarily that he slowed down athletically. Do you even see this as a move? Uh, that that is going to, to boost the cats next year because no doubt I mean they're not bringing him across uh, to play in the uh, the new Eastern States League which we'll get to a little bit later.
0: Um, we talked about Isaac Smith about a month ago I'd say talking about players you know where they could potentially go. I was I was more down on him than what you are. He's going to be thirty two um, by the time next or he's going to be thirty two by the time next year starts. So he's not particularly young. I. Look, like he's fine to come in and be what your yeah nineteenth best player probably on on this team. Um, depending on who they end up getting and then losing in trades for Cameron and Higgins and every other person seems to become to Geelong, but I don't think I don't think it's, it's a I don't think it's a game changer or anything like that for Geelong. I think it's probably closer to a uh, to a Jack Stephen free agency move versus a Jeremy Cameron one.
1: Yeah, I think if you're a Geelong fan, I think the reason why you think this can be impactful is because of the speed that he's still got. Uh, There's no doubt Geelong have been a a pretty slow team, and I think it was showed up at times during the grand final, which I think is why there are people out there, and you're going to see this be uh, brought up a lot more over the next week. The Cats really want to keep a guy like Jordan Clark moving forward because they need that speed. So some people will say, well, why are you bringing in 32-year-old Isaac Smith when you can just play Jordan Clark next year? I think it's a known commodity. Uh, there's, the, the cats aren't hiding the fact that they're going all in next year. And and probably 2021, 2022, they see as the, the Tom Hawkins window, I guess, if you want to call it Joel Selwood. Also, even though I, I think the impact or the reliability on, on Selwood was well down this year, which was probably why they took that step. They weren't relying on him to be that guy. But I think it's the speed. And I, I think that's why uh, it, it could be impactful for a team that just hasn't got a lot of pace.
0: Do you think that there is a... You said you're yeah, going all in, but I think there's a realistic chance that Jordan Clark is at least the equivalent player of Isaac Smith next
1: year. Yeah, maybe. I, I think that a lot of frustration why he wasn't playing. He had a fantastic first season. Uh, he was healthy for a lot of this year and just couldn't get in the team. Uh, there was some rumors or reports that it might have been attitude that held him back and maybe he got a bit ahead of himself after his first season. But I like Jordan Clark a lot. I, I think he's a great player. I think he's a guy that needs to try and get into... Uh, the half-back line rather than probably the wing uh, that Isaac Smith would play on, though. But, you know, I mean, uh, I, again, uh, the Cats aren't going to be giving up too much for a guy like this. I, I never really look at their moves like this and say, well, this is going to be one that's going to hurt the Cats. I, I don't see that. Oh, I don't see how it hurts him either. Like it's it's
0: it's depth. Even if he is you know the twenty second best player, and he has to have you know, rest games during the season to try and manage and, and make sure there aren't any lower body body injuries and preserve that speed for the right time of the year. I think that's fine. Like you're not gonna have to pay that much to get him in, um, and he's just there as as that extra depth sort of piece. There's, there's no downside. I don't think if maybe if it pisses off guys like Clark, and then they do want to move. Mm. Clark just turned twenty two weeks ago, so he's still ridiculously young. Yep. Um, Maybe that's a problem, but I think you can work uh, work around that and and go that way in terms of just having him there as an option. And I don't think he needs to play every single week for this team to be um for for it to be a successful move. Even
1: no, I would agree with that for sure. The cats we know they're going to continue to add these guys that are. Uh... Uh, veteran players and ready-made and, ready, made and uh, ready to go next year as I said they are really really going all in next year. We know what's going on with Jeremy Cameron as well who I, I saw you tweeting some stuff uh, and maybe maybe we can maybe we can I don't know if we want to go into the Cameron stuff. this is actually not a cats podcast, but uh, they they're in the news. it's free agency. it's hard not to talk about Geelong around the free agency period because they're in, they're in absolutely everything.
0: Yeah, they are, um, and we we barely even heard anything about the uh, the Sean Higgins stuff. He looks like he's mm. heading down there as well. But what you're referencing is a tweet from Superfooty, which of course he is. Yeah, it's always going to be close to ridiculous. But talking about <laughs> um, what GWS should do here, you know, stating an opinion from Gary Buchananara, who they said, you know, this is the headline. The tweet says, revealed the Geelong players GWS should ask for in a trade for Jeremy Cameron. It's not a reveal. It's not breaking news. It's Gary Buchanan's opinion on who they should ask for. And then he goes on to say, if the cats don't agree, then the Giants should just be ruthless and send him to the draft. So you get zero assets back, or you get somewhere back. And yeah, you know, his option is like, oh, okay, we've well, got an empty left hand and a right hand that's full of maybe not exactly what I want, but some things. Let's go with absolutely nothing just to piss people off. So in the end, everybody loses? I, I is this, this is, is this why Gary Bacchanara is not actually running a team's list and hasn't ever in his career? I, I, I understand that you want to play hardball, but you don't actually go through with it because what's, you don't win anything apart from some misplaced sense of, I won, yet you get nothing out of winning.
1: No, I did love seeing the reaction on social media to this. was very much the same as yours. Everyone just says, this literally makes no sense. I think right from the start, uh, I said... GWS have to match this and really try and force Geelong to give up some stuff that they don't want to. But at the end of the day, the only way that GWS would really be able to leverage the Cats into giving a deal that Geelong really don't want to do is if they engaged other teams. The reports out there is Jeremy Cameron is absolutely steadfast that he only wants to go to Geelong. I still, if I was GWS and I said this yesterday, I'd be talking to Collingwood, I'd be talking to Essendon, I'd be talking to all these different teams because that's how you can leverage the Cats a little bit. But simply sitting sitting there and saying, Give us this, or we're not trading with you. I mean, it's just—it's honestly, it's just dumb. Because what, as you said, if GWS matched the deal, then they don't get the compensation, which they've already said is not enough for them. So they're just going to watch him sit in the draft and sit back and laugh and say, "Well, we showed you Geelong." It, it doesn't make any sense. It's a ridiculous. Take. I don't know how that made the radio or the paper or whatever it was. It's just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it is absolutely ridiculous. But we do let's talk about what actually did go down this, this morning Was Rory Atkins being the first player to change clubs, going to Gold Coast on a four-year contract worth allegedly 400000 per year. There is also a, uh, a trigger for a fifth year. I don't know if that's a, what, what the incentives are or the criteria required to get that fifth year it is, but that's uh, yeah, Atkins moving across to Gold Coast. He's 26 years of age. He's just played 100 games. Uh, he only played four games this year. Do you think this is a uh, a, a strong move from uh, from Gold Coast? Yeah, the four-year deal take him to his age thirty year uh, year, year season, age thirty season. Um, yeah, it's, it was on the cards a while ago that he was leaving, and again one of those situations where you know people are like, well, if they don't have compensation picks, then no one's going to choose to go go to Gold Coast. Well, this is two years in a row that two you know, pretty solid free agents have chosen to go to Gold Coast.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think you brought up the point a couple of months ago now that uh, players might have got a bit of a taste for Gold Coast through the winter, and they might say, hey, this is a place that we really want to go, particularly given their I like about it for the Gold Coast Suns is that uh, Rory Atkins is only 26 years old, so he's in that age bracket as well. Gold Coast certainly... We talk about different teams and, and what type of player they might go after, what type of experience level they might go after, but this is the right age bracket uh, for the Suns to chase and Rory Atkins, a guy that has had finals experience. We know going back to certainly the 2017 season, uh, he was a really, really important cog in this team and played in that grand final team, had 17 disposals uh, in the, the grand final, and really has been a regular until this season when uh, Matthew Nix came in. So, uh, look, I, I don't, if, if Nix doesn't like what Rory Atkins was bringing to the table this year, if you wanted to go with some different options, they're clearly tearing it uh, right down. In Adelaide, I uh, Maybe it wasn't working out. Maybe Atkins looked at the list and said, listen, I was in the grand final two years ago. I don't want to be going through another full rebu- rebuild here with the Crows. So I, I think it's fine on both sides. But I do think that this is a potential high upside pickup for the Gold Coast Suns. They get a guy that was on the outer, but clearly has a lot of experience, can add a bit of outside run as well, a ball winner. Uh, at times he's been a goal kicker even when he's played on the wing or played on halfback so I like it I like it for
0: the Suns it's a good move this is a guy that prior to this season had averaged over 20 touches a game for four straight seasons he only averaged nine disposals a game this year and only played four games but he also had almost four inside 50s per game um, a guy that was really quite prolific. Now, his disposal efficiency numbers aren't great, um, but provided run, you know, about a, a one bounce per game, which is not a bad number, four or five to six score, score involvements per game. Like a guy that was getting 400 meters gain, like really, really strong numbers until it just completely fell off a cliff. So while we can look at his production this season and go, well, is he worth four years and 400,000? No, not based on what happened this year. But I think that unless he's just, you know, completely forgotten how to play footy at the age of 26... Uh, over one year, I, I don't think that's the case, and I think it's a it's a really strong move from Gold Coast to get him in and uh, and help strengthen their team. And they're going to be one of those teams that is you know, looking to push up the ladder next season. And this is a, a good way to go about that. The other um, the other free agency news that hasn't happened yet, of course, is uh, Jesse Hogan and perhaps m- a move to GWS as a replacement for Jeremy Cameron. Do you like that fit there for Hogan? We've talked about Hogan being more of a lead-up second option rather than a primary key forward. But I guess that is the role that Cameron played, even though he is a, a key forward. His role was not that big pack mark overall, you know, big marking target. He's that lead-up guy that, that moves around and pushes up to half forward and up to the wing and gets the ball and brings it back that way. So in that way, I understand the like-for-like uh, the like replacement.
1: Well, Jesse Hogan's best season came in 2018 when he was, the beast and he was the guy that that played up forward since then clearly he's gone off the rails a little bit in terms of his form but again uh, if you go back to that 2018 season where the demons made uh, the prelim he could 47 goals and uh, in that season he had uh, over 20 contested marks which was um, certainly his highest total by a a fair margin since uh, that season so I the really the question for Jesse Hogan is what's going on off the field is he Uh, able to invest his time into playing AFL footy. So still only 25 years old. This is a guy that's only going to turn 26 uh, next season. So, so much footy still ahead of him. I'm not sure whether this is going to be the answer for GWS, but it certainly makes sense that they would get involved in this, in this deal or trying to get this player across because there's going to be a huge void. I, I don't, I think that it would be easy to look at Jeremy Cameron and the way that he played this season and say, well, he wasn't great anyway, but that's probably a big indication of why the Giants didn't make the finals. You're talking about a Coleman medal winner from the year, a year before. So while Jake Riccardi came in and he looked good at times, while Himmelberg is up there, they're going to need another target. And I, I don't know whether it's going to work out, but it certainly makes sense to go after Jesse Hogan.
0: I don't know how Hogan's going to go in terms of his Tinder profile up there because AFL footballers aren't all that <laughs> recognized up uh, in the GWS area. So maybe he uh, puts puts the 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 Knicks on that one. But this is a segment one of this show, Kane, and we've been going for a long time. Let's talk about some other news because there's going to be more free agent stuff for us to cover next week for sure. Let's talk about the news that there is a new or a revamped VFL. I don't know if we can really call it the VFL, considering six of the teams aren't in Victoria. The AFL officially referred to as the VFL and East Coast Second Tier Competition, which is a little bit of a mouthful. I think we just need to get a better name there, but it's it's back. And it's back in a really weird scenario. Three states, 22 teams, all, all Victorian teams uh, have a a feeder team, whether it's a standalone club or their own uh, secondary squad. The four New South Wales and Queensland teams also have their reserve teams in the league. It's getting very much back to the old uh, reserves league that we used to have with you know 14 teams out of the 22 being AFL affiliates. And then uh, an additional eight teams, which includes Coburg, Frankston, Port Melbourne, Werribee, Williamstown, the Northern Bullants, Aspley, and Southport. So uh, a 22-team league, a 16-round season. Going to be a real weird uh, fixture there, but uh, pretty interesting to see how this whole thing's gonna uh going to pan out.
1: Well, I love it. I, I think this is awesome. And it's funny because after we finished recording yesterday, I mentioned to you, uh, you left your shout-out after the episode for Frank DiMettino. I was like, <laughs> Frank Dimatina when I saw that on the rundown, I... I Googled who he was because obviously I know the Dimatina name, but I didn't know Frank Dimatina, obviously Paul's father. Uh, and when I was looking up uh, his past or his Wikipedia page, it said that he played for the Richmond Thirds, which you know, obviously that's the way they used to run it. Yeah, the Seconds, which was your reserves, and your Thirds were your under nineteens. And I I do remember uh, as a young fella going to Geelong games, and you could you could rock up to a Skilled Stadium at uh or you know continue park whatever it's called set a million names at 9 30 in the morning and the falcons would be playing and then they'd roll into the reserves and then would roll into <clears throat> obviously the senior team and I-, I thought that was fantastic and i said to you i wish they could get back to that then literally about six hours later uh this news broke and it's not right across the whole of australia but it's getting close to that and i do hope that uh, at some time next season, depending on what happens and where they're playing and crowds and all that sort of stuff, but I do hope that they would be able to get back to the point where they would play curtain raises, play the reserves, play the reserves before the senior game. I know that they would want to keep traffic off grounds for obvious reasons, but let's be honest, uh, Metricon Stadium had a hell of a lot of traffic this year, so did the Gabba, and they were able to hold up. I think you could play a curtain raiser for sure before these games, get the fans in early, and then you sort of have that connection with the twos as well, because I think that that's the thing that's been lost. We talk about it a little bit with uh, our own clubs and different teams around the league. And certainly this year it's been difficult because there's been no second tier competition or no VFL anyway. Uh, But you do lose touch of of the guys that are on the fringe and you basically just have to rely on uh, who's playing in your first 22. And then who are the emergencies to know who's close but it would give everyone an opportunity to see those other guys on the fringe as well, which was uh, they used to be part of the fun. Yeah, I loved it.
0: I used to love going to watch the reserves games, and you knew everyone. Yeah, back back when the list has like fifty-four players on it, you you know every player and what they're up to, and how they you could potentially translate into the senior side. It's really hard to get that happening now. Um, the way this is it's going, it, it is is we the AFL moved away from the reserves competition, got rid of it. And now it's basically coming back. Like Brisbane, Carlton, Collingwood, Essendon, Geelong, Gold Coast, GWS, North Melbourne, Richmond, Sydney, and Footscray are all going to be teams in this league. So they're all just reserve squads. And then Sandringham, Box Hill, Casey with St. Kilda, Hawthorne, Melbourne. So all teams just have their second team. And bring in these standalone teams. I'm a bit disappointed they didn't bring in a Canberra team because Canberra loves their footy, but no Canberra team to... um, Two standalone teams from the the Nifl with Aspley and Southport. And the AFL is subsidizing all travel here. It's going to be great for these players who are playing for VFL clubs, a little bit of yeah. that extra experience. They get to, to go interstate. They get to play these games up uh, in Queens and in Sydney, move around and just moving back and forth. I think that's really, really good that the AFL is in a position where they're able to subsidize that travel. The standalone clubs are also got a, a larger salary cap than the AFL-aligned clubs. So that's a, it's double $200,000 versus 100000 So obviously, it's you know, small money in comparison to what's happening in the AFL. But I think it's really good. And then you've got the the uh, the Waffle and the Sandfall over for Western Australia, South Australia. Ideally, I'd love it if we could just have a standalone reserves competition where every team has a one-to-one. But then you do lose a little bit of that at Williamstown and, and Port uh, and uh, and Southport, these really strong clubs. Like Where do they sort of fit into things? But uh, this is is a good step, and I'm going to be pretty excited to see how it all pans out with all of these teams uh, going in here. um, You just wish there was maybe a Canberra or perhaps a Tasmania team in there.
1: Yeah, I texted you last night, the Canberra Comets. The last time I remember watching the Canberra sports team, Murph Hughes was steaming in uh, in the Mercantile Mutual Cup, which, by the way, (laughs) uh, the only reason I used to watch the Mercantile Mutual Cup, I mean, first of all, they had pretty good uniforms. Secondly, uh, just the thought of a player hitting the sign was enough for me to tune into the game to see if someone could hit the sign and win 50 grand or whatever it was. but yeah, the Canberra Comets uh, been a while since since they were around but uh, I know GWS has obviously played some games in Canberra over the years, but uh, they always they always get a big crowd.
0: Yeah, Canberra is a a very interesting sporting uh, sporting area, and I uh, remember the uh, the uh, there used to be an under eighteen team, uh, the New South Wales ACT Rams, that mm. played games in uh, in Queensland as well. But that has uh, that has gone away. I, I don't. I, I imagine there'd be pretty heavy resistance to like you know, incorporating you know, Crows and Power and Dockers and Eagles reserves team into a league like this, because then it's going to be destroying their local footy. But I think there's yeah. ways around it to create. Um, you know, second a full second tier, and then a strong third tier league as well. I think there is ways to do that. I don't know what the answer is. I don't think there is ways to do that because yeah, the reserve system was was an awesome feature of our our game. And uh, again, I feel like the AFL is indirectly admitting their error in getting rid of it by the way that, that the competition is trending at this point.
1: Yeah, I think the the real challenge. I mean, you spoke about the SANFL and obviously the Waffle those. Uh, states would probably be a little bit resistant to it i think the other thing is and this is the curious thing about the fact that there's 22 teams and if you added other states you would be looking at a tiered system and i do think that for afl teams they would say well I, i don't want my reserves team being in a in a third tier because they're playing that's not good for our players that's not good for our development so it would be a challenge if you didn't want to have a straight up reserves competition where it was just the AFL teams where they literally followed the AFL fixture, it would be difficult to, to incorporate some of these uh, standalone state teams into the league. Uh, it, it, that's where it would become a bit of a challenge because you're already, as you said, I mean, you're looking at uh, <laughs> you're looking at uh, 22 uh, teams here. I don't know how it's all going to work out as far as a uh, 16-round fixture and, and the tiers they're going to have there, but I do think that AFL clubs would push back on their there. Uh, affiliated clubs ever been associated with a third tier.
0: Let's go wilder. Let's let's make it a 32 team comp. Like let's bring in the four uh, remaining AFL teams. Let's get a Tassie team, a Canberra team. Let's get Yeah, Glenelg, let's get Peel Thunder or one of these, some of these other teams, you know, get three Western Australia extras, get three extra Adelaide teams, a Tassie, a Canberra, Eagles, Dockers, Crows, Powell. Let's put them all in there, split them into two conferences, a little bit of inter-conference play. Everyone's in there. You got one big second tier Australia wide league, AFL two, whatever you want to call it, something like that. Um, And then you still have that, those local competitions going as well in a in a third tier level. I understand it would uh, it would impact them, but you could have you know, five Perth teams and five South Australia teams, and yeah, you know, the, the Victorian teams and New South Wales teams and Queensland teams and Tasmanian teams really get it going. But I think that, you know, that's a long way off. That's just uh, that's just me hoping for things to, to really you know really come in and get that second tier competition developing. So I think there is some scope for that to become something that that does
1: grow in popularity. I'm into it. I'm interested. I'm certainly intrigued by this uh, idea next season. I'm kind of surprised that it came in, given oh, obviously yeah. the difficult financial year they had. I'm surprised that they've pulled the uh, pulled the trigger on this one now, but it should be good. It should be a bit of fun. Last thing we want to talk about here, we've got a few minutes to wrap up the show. Um, we talked
0: yesterday, or I spoke yesterday, I said Carlton should be expected to make the eight. And you've called me out on that basically and said, well, okay, well, who, who's your top eight then? For next season, if you think Carlton's getting in because they weren't in there last year, like who do we think is going to be in the top eight next season? Of course, we had Port, Brisbane, Richmond, Geelong, West Coast, St. Kilda, the Bulldogs, and Collingwood in the top eight this year. And when I look at the back end of the eight, of who didn't make it, Melbourne, you could easily make an argument they could get in. GWS, sure. Maybe with their absences, that's going to be harder. Carlton, Fremantle were charging. Does a rejuvenated Gold Coast team get in there? Does Essendon... Yeah, Does Sydney with all their young players and getting Buddy Franklin back, do they push in? There are, I'd say there's probably three teams that you can say it's unlikely, and that's Adelaide, North Melbourne, and Hawthorne at this point. But yeah, maybe you throw Essendon in there, maybe GWS pushes into that bottom five teams depending on what they do in free agency and, and trade period. But yeah, there's arguments for 13 to 14 teams really that could be in that top eight.
1: Yeah, so if I if I had to pick locks who I thought were locks for the top eight, next season I'd probably have the top five yeah Uh, and I would really be leaning towards putting St Kilda in there as well because I don't think that it was a flash in the pan year for the Saints I do think that Brett Ratton is an outstanding coach and I think that their additions and the way they've been able to find a way obviously they'll get Brad Crouch I do think that's important for them we spoke about them needing another midfielder you know Jack Higgins. we spoke about that whether or not he becomes a player that plays. But nonetheless, they're still adding to the team and they're adding from the right age bracket. So I do think that St. Kilda is going to stay in there. So if I say that, then I say that I think the six teams are going to be there next year. As you sort of pointed to, it's it's the Bulldogs who are, I'm, I'm kind of unsure about. I think, again, a young team. There's nothing to say that they shouldn't continue to improve. Collingwood is the big question, Mark, oh, yeah. because if they do lose Adam Chalora and they really don't make any big additions, you kind of look at the team and you're like, well, okay, uh, what, Where where is the optimism here? Where am I seeing the goals being kicked from? What am I seeing changing? Certainly a bit of good health would, would help them next year, there's no doubt. But they're kind of on the fringe. And as you pointed to, the team's coming in. There's plenty there. So, I, again, I 100% agree. We've spoke about the Blues a lot. I, they they are all in. Like They have to make the eight next year, given the, the moves that they're making this offseason. season given the promise that they showed this year, I think for David T, he needs to make the eight. They need to make the eight next year. Carlton fans have been waiting for a long time, but I just look at the teams in there and I say, it's not going to be easy at all. It's not not going to be easy to get in there. So we had
0: two new teams get into the eight this year um, from the year before, St. Kilda and Port jumped up. And I think that's what you sort of expect. But the year before we had Brisbane jump out of nowhere and, and come in and be that... Um, Top eight team, the Bulldogs, who'd been out of the finals, jumped in as well. So two to three teams normally get in there. So I'd say Collingwood's at a risk. The Bulldogs, to me, could finish 10th or they could finish 4th. I think there's yeah they can either really put it together. We talked about how good their best is. But if they struggle, then it it looks pretty rough. So they could fall out of there. Um, I wouldn't be... There's always going to be some sort of weird surprise going on. The Giants with their team this year. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if things maybe went a little bit south for West Coast. To be honest, um, they had a great setup, an advantage this year. They bitched and moaned continually all season. Their players aren't getting younger. Um, you know, where, what, when do we get a drop off from guys like Kennedy? If Nat Nui gets hurt, what the hell happens there? And that's you know, far from a fait accompli that he stays healthy all season. Wouldn't be surprised if they're a team that you know, I wouldn't pick it, but if they fell out of the eight, I wouldn't be completely shocked.
1: Yeah, I, I could see that they do have such a strong advantage playing over in Perth, and I think that'll be an uh, that'll be enough to get them enough wins. They only really need a couple of wins on the road, and they should be able to squeeze into the eight. I I do I I do think that Collingwood's probably the most vulnerable team uh, in the in the eight as well, uh, particularly if they lose Trulaw. We know the reliance of Penderbury, who Penderbury's old now. He is yeah. he is an, an old guy, and and, and so that. Would be a challenge for him if they need him to stay healthy. He's been pretty good over the years, but you know this year had that uh, that quad, I think it was a quad injury he missed a few weeks ago. That a few weeks, so that's a little bit of a concern. So they need Pennebry at his best, and I still just don't have any faith in the goal kicking for Collingwood. So they're probably the most shakiest team for me. And GWS, yes, they're going to lose Cameron. Uh, we don't know who they're going to add, but I still think there's so much room for growth. They had so many players that were down this year, and just a just a really bizarre season. I remember back to round one, they looked they looked like world beaters against Geelong in the first round, and they came back from the hiatus just a different team. So if if I had to have a guess right now, I know GWS is probably not the uh, the favourable team right now that everyone thinks can jump in, but I do think that they've got a lot of room for growth and could potentially sneak in, even though uh, they're going to lose uh, Cameron. Before we
0: uh, head out of here, because we're about to head out of here, there is breaking news as well. Zach Williams has now officially signed with Carlton. So we knew that was happening, but that has uh, that has officially gone down. So the, the Giants now have three days to determine whether they will match that deal. I would imagine they won't, but we'll come back on Monday and we'll talk about whether they do actually match this deal as Carlton now has uh, they're, they're one one foot over the line in terms of getting Zach Williams to play for them next season. So that has just gone down. Kane. Uh, start to free agency, two deals agreed upon at this point, uh, a hot start.
1: Yeah, Zach Williams officially going to Carlton. I'm, I'm changing my pick. Carlton in the eight, GWS, uh, they're out. So uh, that, that's, that's, uh, that swung me. That swung me. I'm back all in on the Blues. Yep, I- I'm in on them too. They can take Collingwood
0: spot in there. And uh, <laughs> there, might, there might be another one. There might be another surprise out of that group. But... We'll be back on Monday to talk about all the action that does transpire over the weekend. Don't forget to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify today. I am going to leave you with a shout out to Mick Dwyer.